Blog Talk Radio. You're invited to experience online healing retreats brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. These magical online gatherings give you valuable insights, exercises, and channeled information on the great shift of the ages. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Online Retreats or check out our retreat archive and download the recording. Life-changing online retreats by AcousticHealth.com Welcome to another Healing Conversation brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. I'm Loren Gailey, and today we are talking with a yogini and someone who definitely knows the way her spirit moves with nature. Her name is Sarah Avant Stover, and she is the author of The Way of the Happy Woman. Welcome, Sarah. Hi, thank you. So you have followed and learned how to tap into your inner guidance. How did that come to be in your life? You know, you had a wake-up call earlier in in life. Tell us about that. Sure, yeah. My wake-up call was when I was 21, and I was graduating from college in New York City. And I was just getting a routine yearly gynecological exam, and I found out, as actually a number of young women do, that I had the um, early stages of cervical cancer or cervical dysplasia, but mine was in the advanced stages, so if it were to progress one more level, it would be considered full-fledged cervical cancer. And that really caused me to stop in my tracks because I had been getting that exam to go and volunteer with the Peace Corps in West Africa. But with that kind of a diagnosis, I couldn't do that. And so I had to really restructure my whole life. And that wake-up call came as a result of me being completely disconnected from my body's signals, from my intuition. And it really caused me to go more deeply into myself because my Western medical doctors weren't I wasn't at the stage to get any treatment with them, but they weren't giving me me any other options of ways that I could work with the situation to heal it myself. So I started to explore other options to do that through herbal healing and meditation and yoga and lifestyle changes. And it was when I started to tap into those things that I started to find more access to my intuition and to avenues to start to listen to rather than constantly fight my body. So it's been a journey and a progression ever since then, and um, it's very much a daily practice. I I always have to return back to overriding, um, resisting the urge to override my inner impulses and to, to trust them and to honor them because sometimes they say things that, I don't necessarily want to hear or do. Just little things, like if I have a lot of work to do one day um, and my body's saying, hey, you know, I'm, you know, I'm really tired of sitting at this computer. I, I really need to, to go outside and go for a walk and just shut down this computer for the day. Uh, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's a, a little bit of an inner struggle. You know, like, oh, well, I have this deadline or I need I need to launch this or finish up these emails before the end of the day and I need to make a call. Like, well, which need am I going to listen to? Yes, so how do you my discern? Path, yeah, my, my path is really to trust my body and to run my business and to live my life in a feminine way, which which involves a lot of listening, a lot of trust, and having my intuition be the one steering the ship. So even if it's going against the grain of what I think would be quote-unquote productive or what other people will approve of, 
as part of my own experiment in life and in business, it's to choose the intuitive impulse. Listening to your body and moving with that and taking the time that you need. You know, when, especially as self-employed people, as, as you are, and I am as well, we feel guilty because that's an old program within us. So when you're listening to the inner call, do you become more confident so that you then are able to trust that everything's in order and there will be time to get that work done? It usually takes me a little time um, once I get into that other endeavor that I chose, whether it's to go for a walk or take a bath or go to a yoga class or just to cook a nice meal for myself or to power down my computer. Usually once I, once I get into that um, that activity or that non-activity, sometimes just to take a nap or just to lie down and rest, that's when the other part of me kicks in and says, ah, oh, yes, okay, this is what I really need, and I know that I'm going to be more refreshed and inspired and come from the place that I want to come from when I return back to whatever I was doing. So it's constant. I'm constantly validating myself and learning that it's the right way when I when I choose to honor myself versus to override. You feel that you're in the flow then. Yeah, and then I just feel, especially with the kind of work that I'm doing, it's I can't. It just doesn't feel right to be disingenuine and. Um, it feels much better for me to eat my own cooking or walk my own talk, whatever you want to call it, and to report back on what happens when I do that. So now when you were over in Thailand, you spent nine years. What did you learn about yourself? I. It's a big question. Yes. <laughs> nine years is a long time, and it was my whole 20s, which is, as we all know, there's a lot of change and growth and evolution um, and waking up to new parts of ourselves that happens during that particular decade of our lives and, you know, really evolving from being a girl to being a woman. And so I would say that that was the overarching shift that I went through when I moved over there at 21. And um, just to back up a little bit to give listeners some framework for how I ended up there, when I found out that I couldn't go to the Peace Corps, just out of the blue, I ran into an old teacher from high school who was going to be the headmaster at an international school over there in northern Thailand. And he heard of my collapse plans, and he offered me a job to go teach over there. So I went over there for the first two years on a teaching contract, and then I decided I wanted to stay there and become a full-time yoga teacher and freelance writer so I devoted myself to those things in the midst of also exploring my consciousness with doing Buddhist meditation retreats and starting my own daily practice, studying Chinese medicine, um, both herbal medicine and acupuncture, deepening in my own yoga studies, studying Ayurveda and other um, nutritional practices and philosophies. So I really learned a whole new way of living, which was... Um, much more in tune with nature's cycles, which was much more in tune with, um, or helped me to get more in tune with my my heart and my intuition and my body as a woman, because up until that point, I had completely resisted being a woman through eating disorders like anorexia and bulimia. And I felt like I had no real role models to help show me how to do that in the world today. I felt a lot of confusion. And when I was in Asia, simply the the softer, slower rhythm of Thailand helped me to drop into and then trust those softer, slower rhythms in me, which never even had a chance to emerge when I was a student, an overachieving straight-A student in New York City. So over those nine years, it was really a path of starting to uncover who I am, who I want to be, and how to be that woman in the world. So now you're helping other women uncover who they are as well. Yes, because through that whole um, through that whole time there, you know, when I started to, to teach yoga, at first it was 
just really general classes, co-ed classes, and gradually I started to travel and teach around the world, uh, particularly around Europe and Asia, and women would come up to me after these workshops and trainings and say, hey, you know, I'm I'm struggling with low self-esteem or I'm having really irregular periods and how can yoga help this? What, what else can I do? So I found I started to attract women who were seeking the answers to the very same questions that I had been living the answers to. And out of that, the way the happy woman organically came to be, first through workshops and then through my book. And now as I continue on in my path after writing the book, it's still a constant personal investigation and personal living of how to be the fullest woman that I can be in the world where I explore my my potential and my professional offerings and my creativity and my relationships and my sexuality and every day I'm growing and kissing my edge of my own evolution and then turning back and reflecting on those and on those learnings and structuring them in a way that then I can share them with other women to live the same in their own lives. So when you are going with the flow of nature, can you describe for us how we can be in each of the four seasons? Sure. First, I just want to, you know, when we talk or we hear the phrase go with the flow of nature, it sounds very idyllic. It sounds really sweet and um, and pleasurable. And I just want to debunk the idea that that's even what we're going for here. Um, at the ultimate sense, yes, but at the relative sense, no way. Because nature is fierce and nature's cycles are real and there's um, there's an inherent um, just intensity of death and destruction and rebirth and growth. And so when we go with the flow of nature, we're actually surrendering to continual cycles of death and rebirth, death and rebirth. And Sometimes that feels really good, and sometimes that feels really, really bad. And sometimes it even brings us to a place of a real dark night of the soul. Um, and so that's what my book is really about. That's what The Way the Happy Woman is really about. It's not feeling like we need to put on a certain air of of happiness, uh, which is there's one level of happiness, which I think is just more of mood-making, of you know, when you see someone on the street saying, how are you? Oh, I'm fine, thanks, how are you? And when really you could be having a really hard day, you could be in the midst of a huge life transition that's breaking your heart and that's really working you in every sense. Um, so the way the happy woman is really redefining happiness as that place that's really deep within us. Um, that lives where our intuition is, our heart instinct is, that deep trust of the way things are. And when we dive in and continually reconnect with that place inside of us every day and as much as we can each day, then there's a level of okayness to be at home in whatever's happening, whatever season of life we happen to be in. So here in Colorado right now, it's the winter season. And winter is really the time to rest, to slow down, to do less, to be patient. So if there's things that you are really have been really trying to create or make happen, it's actually a time to loosen the grip in your hand and come at your life with an open palm saying, um, you know, to use a phrase from the Christian tradition, thy will be done. That it's out of my, I'm surrendering to divine timing, to see how this wants to unfold and to know that ultimately it's out of my control. And especially in our, I would say, world culture, because I have traveled and, and been with women in so many different cultures around the world, that completely goes against how we're taught to do things, which is to continually have our feet on the gas pedal to continually mm -hmm. use our ambition to make things happen, to, to push through, to strive through. 
and the winter actually teaches us the opposite, to let go and let be. And then once we do that, then the, then with the springtime, and I also just wanted to clarify that these seasons can exist both in the annual calendar year during different times of our lives and also just during different mood cycles or emotional cycles that we're in. So the spring spring season is a time when that waiting comes into fruition, when it's actually time for what you've been incubating, what you've been dreaming about, what you've been just letting be is ready to come to life. And it does. And then there's a rebirth. There's a, re, um, there's a renaissance, whether that's a part of yourself. You are releasing old relationships or habits or thought patterns, jobs, um, or creative projects. You know, you had, you had an idea for a book or a business or a new product, and you weren't quite sure of all the details, and then things start to come together, and you're ready to put it out in the world. And then the summertime is the time when all of that is in full flourishing, full fruition, and it's there for you to enjoy and feast on and for others to enjoy and feast on. It's like the seed of a beautiful orange tree that, that grows and actually bears fruit for everyone to enjoy. And that's the time of real celebration and delight and pleasure and partaking in that abundance. And then the fall season, it's it's just contracting back, so starting to make that journey from that full flowering back to the contraction of winter. And it's a time of shedding and of letting go and of grieving, Um, grieving, you know, maybe there were seeds that you did plant that didn't come into fruition, dreams that just totally flopped. And it's also time of of taking stock and harvesting. Okay, wow, this is is what I've accomplished. This is what it did for me and for others. And using that to really savor and celebrate the realities of that. And then to get clear, okay, well, now it's time for me to leave this behind to – and to go back into the incubation period, to go back into the cave and to see what wants to come next, to see what wants to live through me next and to um, to really strip yourself down to the bare essentials for that to happen. And you're right. It's not easy at all, especially because so many of us, when we look at our regular calendar year and we start the new year, Many people, just because of that paradigm, push forward through the new year and really force and make things happen, energized by the start of a new year. But to go with the seasonal method and rhythm is to let go and let be. What can we do to remain calm on a business level when we move with these cycles? This is really the way that we need to be creating our business in the future. It is, and that's and that goes back to what I was saying earlier, how I'm just kind of living the experiment of that, <laughs> like trying to I, – I feel like things really need to be revamped, so there, there's new models for how we can do things, and so I'm, I'm just trying to live it and figure it out. And it's based on trust and devotion and surrender to divine timing. So I think that if you are a business owner and you want to incorporate some of this into your life, that you do need to have some sort of a contemplative practice. And by that I mean a space every day for a minimum of 10 minutes. It can be not, it can be 10 minutes and that's okay, but it needs to be at least that of meditation or um, a practice called centering prayer, which, which is very much like meditation but also has more of a devotional element to it. So these times of of silence and stillness, which is like a mini winter. So even if you have a full day ahead of you, you start off on that foot of open palm, allowing, receiving, being available to divine guidance and divine, divine timing. And by divine, I mean your intuition, that wisdom which lives within you and wants to live through you as you. And then I think it's also really essential to have a day where you completely switch off. So to let people know, you know on this day, 
I'm on an email. I'm not on the Internet. My computer is powered down. I'm not responding to text messages. I'm not returning voicemails. And to notice any discomfort that arises from that because we get addicted uh-huh. and connected all the time. And really devoting your time on that day to do activities or a lack of activities that will actually um, help to build other parts of yourself, whether that's, you know, spending more time in nature or having, sometimes I like to have like half-day or full-day retreats at home where I do more extended yoga and meditation practices or to take time to cook things that I don't have time to cook throughout the week or to write in my journal or write letters or make appointments or outings with friends. So daily times of creating white space and then weekly times of creating white space and then ideally also seasonal or at least every half year having some sort of a longer retreat. Like I like to go on two meditation retreats a year where I take a week to 10 days of completely unplugging and devoting myself to practice. And those those increments of white space and time to delve into the deeper parts of myself that exist beyond my job, beyond my personality, they strengthen my confidence to keep trusting my intuition and keep um, allowing myself to live my life based on my deepest wisdom rather than the whims of my mood or my ego or what other people are wanting me to do. You are doing some incredible work. Your website is called thewayofthehappywoman.com and you go around doing retreats. You've got one at the Shambhala Mountain Center. It brings up a good question when we try to live our lives in this rhythm. I'm curious as to see how you look at your calendar. How do you work with an annual calendar? Well, again, I I I look at when I can carve out space for uh, for myself. Mm-hmm. I look at when can I do retreats um, in places and with teachers that I know will fill up my well again. I also look at when I can take vacation, which is, you know, where I can just have fun and sleep in. And usually I like to do that somewhere warm and ideally near a beach. Yes. <laughs> um, and, then I schedule, and then I schedule things around that. Um, and a lot of it depends upon if people are inviting me to teach somewhere, when when that's going to be, and I things to start. And, and I, but I always check in with my inner instinct, with my gut instinct, and I say, okay, if I'm if I'm going to be scheduling this, when it really comes time to do that, how am I going to feel doing it at that time of the year? Am I scheduling things too close together? Do I have enough weekends in between to just goof off and recharge. So I always come back to that gut check and I make sure that there's time in each season to do the things that I know I love about that season and that that season requires of me. So in the winter time, like this winter, I, I hardly scheduled any events because I knew I really wanted to go into hibernation mode and go deep within myself and really be really simple and cultivate new ideas and let them gestate. And now with the spring coming, my schedule is going to take off more and I'm going to be traveling more and teaching more. Um, And same as in the summertime, but the summertime I'm also leaving room to play because I know that I like to do a lot of things outdoors and there's lots of yoga and music festivals and all those types of things. And then in the fall, I, I also leave space for launching new products. And, you know, it's like kind of that back-to-school energy of, well, what do I want to begin again at that time? And um, and also, how do I want to prepare for, for the coming winter and start to wind things down? For me, it's really structuring your year based upon your values. Yeah. And for me, I value, um, I value my practice, and I value what that gives to me, which is a lot of inspiration boundless creativity, more energy, and a lot of faith and trust in 
how things want to unfold. And so I know that if I schedule that in, then everything else is going to be okay. And if I don't, then I'm going to be like a ship that's lost its navigation system. So what are your events coming up through this busy spring and summer? Um, I am starting up some local classes here in Boulder, which is called She Yoga, and I'm going to do that at two local yoga centers um, twice a week, and starting up again with my local half-day mini retreats, which is called She Retreats, here also here in Boulder, and those involve yoga and meditation and feminine relational practices and self-inquiry, and as you mentioned, the Shambhala Mountain Center Spring Retreat in March here, March 23rd to 25th, and then also a Mother's Day, the way the Happy Woman Retreat at Kripalu in the Berkshires in Massachusetts um, in May, and the way the Happy Woman Teacher Training also at Kripalu in July, and um, various workshops in other cities around the country. And um, my full schedule is available on my website. The Way the Happy Woman is not, now that's more my secondary website for my book, but my main hub online now is sarahavonstover.com, which has information about my book and also about all of my live events and also various online programs that I do, like one-on-one mentoring. And I have an online women's membership community called The Red Tent, where we explore all of these ideas on more of a daily basis in a community setting. SarahAvantStover.com. Yes. Well, I want to thank you, and I would like you to mention anything else that you really wish for for women, and is it just women, or can men relate to this too? This, this information and these principles need to live in all of us as men and women. Um, we're all more starved in the feminine, the feminine rhythm side of things. So I think that also the more that men can embrace these things too, the more that we'll all come back into a place of equilibrium where we'll intuitively trust when to bring forth our masculine energy of, of really going out and getting things done and making things happen and balancing that with our more feminine, receptive side of trusting and letting things be and allowing things to unfold as they will. So men and women can both benefit from this. And, again, I want to reiterate that I know it's not easy, and it's also not supposed to be easy. (laughs) And the best things in life um, have a little bit of a burn to them, and that's how we grow. That's how we change. So... If it feels uncomfortable, that's usually a sign that you're on the right track. Uh, just make sure that you have support through teachers and mentors and community who can reflect back to you how you're evolving and changing and that they can be there to help you on the dark nights and during the winter times. And they can also be there to celebrate you when you're in your spring or your summer fullness. Beautifully said. Thank you, Sarah Avant Stover, for joining us on Healing Conversations. Thank you. And thank you, too, for listening. If you've enjoyed this program, please share it with your friends so we can get this important information out to the world. This program is supported by donations by listeners like you. Your support allows us to bring you fresh information that is empowering inspiring and uplifting it's also information you won't find so commonly in the mainstream media please visit acoustichealth.com thank you for your support and i now leave you with music from the universe this music was literally created by the universe as mathematical equations were assigned to musical notes the result is this beautiful music
Hello, this is Loren Gailey, and I am so excited to invite you to this special retreat on the big island of Hawaii. I had a quick conversation with my co-hostess, Karen Valentine, who says this particular spot on the big island, South Point, is very powerful for personal transformation, as well as being able to ignite your passions and creativity. Right now, to think about how, in, in moving into this fourth dimensional activity, how our thoughts and our consciousness can make a difference in in everything that the world creates and what we create. And so it's almost as if we need to purify on the volcanic island, the goddess Pele, purify with the volcano fire energy so that we can go forward and and ignite our passions and creativity. Right. One of the things that uh, that energy does is it clears away the old stuff. Uh, you can imagine a volcano, the, the lava going through an old, old area, and it just—it of course it doesn't care what it hits, but it clears away everything and creates something brand new. So I know that a lot of people, when they come to this this, this island, um, sometimes they they feel uncomfortable, and I think it's because the energy here is so powerful, and it's. It's bringing up things inside all of us that we just have to look at. And it's wonderful because it, it allows us a space where we can be powerful just like the goddess Pele. And we can do what we want to do and we can be with people that that are like-minded or, or people that aren't and just work through our issues together. It's, it's quite... Uh, quite interesting and quite powerful, but if we approach it with love, the love energy that we get from the dolphins and all of the other ocean energy around us, um, and the green growth, it just makes for a powerful combination. One thing that happens, uh, people happen, what happens in Hawaii is that there's so many areas that are um, tourist oriented areas, and I think that often what happens there is that there are so many energies that interfere with what we could think is the the primal energy that's in that space or the ancient energies that are in that space. So it's wonderful to be able to get into an area that's sort of untouched and untrampled. I guess I call it untrampled because there are things to look at and things to feel that help us to appreciate the Hawaiian spirit and the spirit of the ancients that have been here. Yes, the spirit of the ancients. And we're going to visit the sacred sites, several sacred sites around the area, meditation at those sites. And we're also going to hear the legends and I don't even like to call them legends, but we're going to hear the stories and the, the history or the history of those places. Yeah, absolutely. One interesting fact, I have, I have a very good friend who I hope is going to be able to join us. And um, he's a, a native Hawaiian. His family goes back to the time of uh, Kamehameha, the king, great King Kamehameha when his family was responsible for the guardianship of that king. And it's a very close family, and when he was a child, he was kind of selected by his uh, elders, the elders of the family, to be the keeper of the stories. And so he remembers as a child being whispered to and people telling him things that he, as he grew up, he kind of put them aside because he joined the Marines, and he was in the Marines and in Vietnam and went through his own trials, and now he's come back to this island, and, and these stories are coming up inside him, and he's, he's just sharing them in a very humble, unassuming way. And so this is an area down here in Kau where his family had, had history. Um, I'll give you just one example. Okay, I was going to... Uh, the Black Sand Beach, which is an area where we're going to visit with these great giant sea turtles and wonderful black sand, which is kind of nourishing when you lie down in it. It's very warm and 
and the ocean is powerful next to it. And I didn't realize that all of the times I visited that place, I was walking right by an area of ancient petroglyphs that has drawings. And he told me what those were, and I'm not going to tell you right now because it's going to be on our trip. But it was some, the, the story that came out that sometimes we just walk right by these things and we don't recognize them. So one of the things that we're going to be doing is being still, being quiet, and allowing things to reveal themselves to everybody. Allowing us to remember things that we know inside, perhaps. Yes, absolutely. Now, when we think of the Big Island, I think of, you know, Hawaii is very special. Each island has a separate feeling to it. I love the Big Island because it feels like Lemuria rising. It is Lemuria, but yet it's new creation. And it feels very energetic that we can really use the energy that's down there to set our intentions moving forward through the next six months and year and years ahead. You are so right. I mean, you've just hit it on the head. That's exactly how I feel about living here on the Big Island, and especially the southern part of the island. Um, It's got a whole um, more powerful, I think, energy, and it, uh, it does help us to to go inside, but also uh, work with the energy. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun, too. It's fun here. It's going to be a lot of fun. Just as we were speaking before we started the recording, you said it's a beautiful day there. The sun is shining. This is a magical valley, the magical valley of Waiohinu, where I live. I call it that. Um, it's green and the hills are rolling, rolling hills. We have lots of fruit trees on the property, bananas and papayas and oranges and mangoes and avocados and things like that that just grow up around us. But And then there's also a kind of a fresh breeze today, so we get uh, a few winds here that uh, aren't strong, but they vary from day to day. Wonderful. And if we're lucky on this trip and we have an option of a dolphin boat excursion as well as a manta ray snorkel, just some good extra options for those who are water adventurers. And when you were talking about the avocado trees, my goodness, how luscious that would be to walk and and grab an avocado and eat it for lunch or dinner. Oh, goodness, we're going to eat a lot of really delicious raw food as well. Yes, I have a wonderful raw food consultant um, uh, who's going to be with us and creating these wonderful little meals, and uh, she did it with me. I had had the um, honor of spending a few days with her, and she created some some full meals and menu for me to show me what raw food is all about, and it's was truly eye-opening and surprising to me because I would get this plate of these little tidbits of wonderful little things that I didn't really know what they were, but they tasted delicious. You mentioned the avocados. One example is that uh, she made a really nice little guacamole with all fresh ingredients and then placed it instead of on a tortilla, it was on a um, nasturtium leaf. And the nasturtiums are growing around my house. And I didn't realize you could eat the leaf, but it has this real peppery flavor that adds a little bit of spice to this uh, guacamole. It was wonderful. And the property around these three vacation homes sounds just wonderful. Can you describe the beautiful walking distance between each other or the environment in this three-house setting? Well, they're all uh, within um, a few steps of each other, so it's kind of a compound. And um, the the land is, it's not totally flat. It kind of has some lava flows in it, all ancient lava flows, uh, what we call pahoehoe lava outcropping. And so it makes it kind of a, you can imagine a rock garden pathway um, with, 
have to kind of work your way around the banana trees and the coffee trees and things, but um, it's, it's pretty, pretty um, really nice space, and every room is a little different. Each one has its own view of the outdoors, and then we'll gather in the big house, which has the wraparound lanai, uh, where we can sit and talk story, have our meals, and things like that. And there's fire circles. A couple evenings we'll have a fire circle and even some healing violin music. Depending if we get the um, group at the numbers of 10, you know, if it's a little smaller than that, we'll revisit that. But it's going to be a great time. I wanted to have you speak a little bit about the the lava tubes, the beautiful lava tubes. I know in Pila of Hawaii's book, The Secrets and Mysteries of Hawaii, Again, there's a link on this webpage if you want to read that book online. It's fascinating. Page 61 starts on the Big Island. And we're going to visit the lava tubes that he spoke, speaks about. But, Karen, what's your feeling when you go into the lava tubes? Well, again, it's just magical. Um, you think of caves on the mainland, or what we call the mainland, as uh, the... Um, it's something that you only find there. People are surprised to, to know that we have caves here, and they're formed when the lava flows through an area and then it cools around the outside and creates a cavern inside. And the, the walls are, are, they just have these beautiful iridescent colors. They have uh, stalactites or stalagmites. I can't remember which is which, but... Um, formations that were created as the lava dripped and the water ran through. So it's just a very beautiful cave and there are um, little insects and things inside there that only only live inside the dark. So that's that's another interesting fact. Um, yeah, it's the very moonlike. Cave has mapped all the caves on the island and there are there are quite a few of them actually. Yes, very womb-like in the darkness and creation. And also, there's no, from what I understand, there's no echo because the sound is absorbed in the porous rock. Interesting. I hadn't hadn't realized that or hadn't thought of that. Okay. Well, Well, we'll certainly find out for ourselves. That is going to be a stop on our trip. We have a wonderful agenda, and as we finish our wonderful conversation today, Let's hear more about Goddess Pele and how we can call on her on this special trip that we're making. Goddess Pele, most people think of as being sort of an angry, vengeful goddess, and that isn't true at all. From what I've learned and um, what I, I know about her is that she actually has a great deal of love, but it comes in the form of passion. Think of the passion of, of creation. And um, she doesn't waste any, any time. Um, the, the legends say that uh, she takes human form sometimes and other times uh, can go into the spirit world at, at will. Uh, as far as uh, talking to her, you can tune into her energy and her spirit and ask to be work, that she work with you in your creation and in um, anything that you want to manifest and or clear away. And so that's one of the things that we will thinking about as we do our fire circles too. Very pure. Can I your question? Yes, thank you. That is wonderful. So join us on this retreat. It's going to be a lot of fun. We look forward to hanging out with you and getting to know you more and going through our stuff and being in the beautiful energies of Hawaii. If you've never been to Hawaii, it is magical. Just flying over the place, just in an airplane, it feels wonderful. I knew many years ago, even as a child, this love of Hawaii, and yes, I grew up with Elvis Presley and his journeys, Elvis Blue Hawaii, and it's just magical. 
and we and get to experience. It does feel like coming home, doesn't it? Yes, it does. When, when coming I home. first flew to Hawaii and flew over the island, it was such a it was such an emotional feeling of coming home. Awesome. And we get to share that in Karen's home with two other beautiful homes and friends, and we look forward to seeing you there. If your heart calls to this and you need this space for yourself, this is something for you. We are doing this at an incredible price that allows you to enjoy Hawaii outside of tourism realms, outside of tourism prices, outside of tourism food. You know, we get, we're get we pushing the envelope with the new healthy raw food, and I'm really looking forward to it. This was originally planned for September, but when I got done talking with Karen and planning it out, I knew I couldn't wait until September. I had to share it, and we need to do this in May. So if you can join us in May, we look forward to it. Karen, thank you for having us. Thank you. I am so looking forward with it, too, and um, I'm just very grateful to you for recognizing this possibility and for offering to share it with people. So um, I wish you lots of aloha, and we'll see you soon. We'll see you soon. Aloha. Aloha.
invited to experience online healing retreats brought to you by AcousticHealth.com. These magical online gatherings give you valuable insights, exercises, and channeled information on the great shift of the ages. Visit AcousticHealth.com and click on Online Retreats or check out our retreat archive and download the recording. Life-changing online retreats by AcousticHealth.com.